For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What were you thinking when you're watching that thing unfold and were you surprised they kicked the field goal to try to win? Um, I missed the end of it. I dozed off. Um, I knew I had a work day waiting on me or I assumed that I had a work day uh, waiting on me. Um, I think at one point Oakland was up by 15 and that number made you somewhat comfortable. Um, I'm probably better off not having watched it. Uh, um, so it's probably not as exciting of a description as you, you would have hoped. Mike Tomlin talking about his experience on Sunday night. One of the few who actually fell asleep. How can you fall asleep during one of the most exciting regular season games? I know they had a game that day in Baltimore, and he probably was tired. But my God, what a game that was. And yeah, if he would have known how close he came to having his playoff candles snuffed, he probably is... And should be very happy that he didn't stay up for that one, Chris. No, I, I, I thought I, all I thought about really all of like the end of regulation and overtime was Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger watching it at home, just imagining them, you know, just uh, w- 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 the thoughts, the things they must have been saying at the TV screen. Uh, I mean, really amazing. I mean, it, it it was unlike any other game I've ever seen. It really was the fact that we were almost at the point of a tie football game. And the Steelers could be left out of the playoffs because of that was was truly amazing. And I don't know, you know. Again, I don't think it mattered that Brandon Staley called that timeout. I think the Raiders were still going to run the ball off the weak side, but certainly there's. I understand that being debated. And wow, that would have been some crazy night if it did end up in a tie. There was that one guy too in the stands in Las Vegas with the Steelers, the Steelers jersey. jersey on, I know, was right. there <laughs> only to root right. for anything but a tie. What a night it was for him, and he finally got what he wanted. No tie. Steelers in. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin seeming very loose and relaxed as his team heads for the Gallows Uh-oh. at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh oh, pasta meatballs. That's- How you feeling over there? Very loose and relaxed, baby. I wonder if the Chiefs are that loose and relaxed this week as they welcome back to town a team that they just manhandled a few weeks ago, and the expectation is going to be that they do the same. I wonder if they're loose and relaxed going into this game. 
I get the feeling the Chiefs are always loose and relaxed. I don't know. It doesn't seem like much bothers the Chiefs. They feel like they're going to come Tune out in tomorrow. And we'll, yeah. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow. 5 p.m. Eastern. Pasta Meatballs. Joint Picks podcast. It could be Terrible time. towel I mean, time. Might be coming out with again. with me. <laughs> what I may do, what I may do is bring with me a plate of pasta and meatballs, take the terrible towel, tuck it in right old school style so i don't stain my shirt yeah and uh eat some pasta and meatballs while we do our joint mega okay podcast. I, I i would love I'm that just, uh, i would love that all all i'm saying is mike tomlin looked awfully relaxed <laughs> and loose <laughs> with a playoff game coming uh all right after further review coming out of week 18 Calls that make people anything but relaxed and loose. How about this one from the Sunday night come on, classic? Come on. Chris Harris Jr., Chargers defensive back, called for defensive pass interference. We, we do have to remember that there is such a thing as uncatchable. Look at the ball. How in the world is Zay Jones going to catch this ball? He, yes, he tackles him there. There's not even a consideration as to whether or not the ball is catchable. Now, and and there, there look, th- this is one of the flaws in the rule book. Once the ball's in the air, you can wipe out the receiver if you want to, as long as the ball isn't catchable. It, it, it should be a penalty. To do what he did should be a penalty. But if the ball's not catchable, it's not a penalty. And that's what's amazing to me. And I know there's discretion and judgment involved, but sometimes the discretion and the judgment are so poorly exercised that it has to be, there has to be a mechanism to, a mechanism to overturn that. that. There was no way in hell Zay Jones was catching that pass. No. Well, and uh, yeah. uh, unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. No, I mean, one, he flopped. Okay. Chris, Chris Harris Jr. did not touch him to the fact of like he fell down and like did that. Chris Harris had his hands on him. I mean, he wasn't tackling him. He realized what had happened. He would flare. Look, he just put his hand on him. He didn't throw him to the ground. Zay Jones isn't that weak. So that was my first issue. But the second issue is like exactly what you're saying. First off, this is where you can't tell me full-time refs won't help the NFL. This is where, again, we get into the common sense conversation. Referees. The, the, the wide receiver is looking over this shoulder, expecting the ball to be over here. Oh, wait. And now he turns, and the ball is 25 yards over in this direction. Like, come on. I mean, Derek Carr was just throwing the ball away, basically. I mean, that's what he was doing. He just, well, well, I'll throw it way out here. You know, maybe he comes out of this clean and can dive and make, like, it's just like, come on. There's no chance. That was a stupid call. And that's where the, again, the, the, the refs are, they're too involved. And, of course, taking over a game and a big situation and rewarding bad offense again and going, hey, here you go. Hey, you guys aren't really playing that well on the offensive side of the ball, but here's the ball at the one-yard line, and here's the lead going into halftime. That, it's just, that's not acceptable. It's a horrible call, absolutely horrible. Can we, can we show that again? There's another point that I want to make here because this is where crew communication becomes critical. Now, yeah. the official who was focused on the contact between Harris and Jones, and flop or not, the, the flag yeah, comes out the if flop the ball is, is just catching. me bothering me. I get you. Right, yeah. right. But, but see, look up top on the stripe. Yes. The, the guy in the, in the not Chris Sims over position running down the sideline, right. which is exactly where the guy was when he pushed you down three years ago in Kansas City. There's a guy there yeah. who's in a position to go over to the one who threw the flag and have the conversation and say, hey, Bill, 
or, or whatever the guy's name is. See, look at him up top. I know. He can see it's not catchable. Yeah, right. This, this is where you need to have the right relationships on your crew where guy up top can go to guy in the middle and say that's not catchable and he'll listen to him and there isn't any type and I don't know anything about the dynamics between the individuals but I I don't think it's ridiculous to think that guy up top was hesitant to go over to guy who threw the flag and say maybe that ball was uncatchable yeah maybe guy who threw the flag tells him to go f himself maybe that's I don't know yeah I don't know I know but but, but you'd like you to, to you like those, those conversations. You want to see them working on. together. Yeah. You want to say we got to get this right. That ball was hey hey Bill that ball was uncatchable. Oh don't you tell me what to do. I saw that play. Hey Bill that ball was uncatchable. And this is where maybe Sky Judge can come in and not make a ruling, but encourage the communication. That's another yeah. benefit of Sky Judge. Right. You're not. And this is where the Sky Judge has to have the right touch. Sometimes you say we got to pick that flag up. Sometimes you say. Bill, Jim, tell me what you saw. Hey, Bill, you hear what Jim's saying here? Maybe you can become the mediator, the go-between, the buffer between the two members of the crew who are trying to work this out. And the bottom line is they should have worked together and and worked it out and come to the conclusion that the, the ball was uncatchable. Uh, inexcusable. Yeah. Inexcusable yeah. that that call was made. No, inexcusable. I, I think you said it right. That's just, Again, it's this is where we just common sense, little common sense. Uh, that's where it, it does bother me. And that's where, again, I get into that full-time ref conversation because, again, you know, if you're there, you're being evaluated, you're around football all the time, you're at practices all week long, you're getting to see – you're going you're gonna to realize just like every other football person on the field there, you're going to go, what? Like, that's ridiculous. Come on. That's ridiculous. That, that well, wasn't and, – And also, yeah. you spend hours per week with the other members of your crew getting to the point where there never will be any type of interpersonal consideration – that Jim has any hesitation to go to Bill during a game in a yeah. pressure-packed moment and say right. the ball was uncatchable. Right. Because something kept him from doing it. Because he clearly saw it. He was right there to see where seven was and where the Duke lands. He's right there to see it. So uh, e- either either he thought it was catchable, which means he should turn in his black-and-white striped uniform today, or something kept him from going over to the guy who threw the flag and say we got to pick that up. But but see, that's the thing. Full-time, there are so many different things you can do. And I can come up with a schedule quickly for all the things you could do around the full calendar that would, that would ensure that when it's time to go do the job, you're not going to have any impediments to the right level of communication, collaboration, and cooperation necessary to set aside egos, to set aside any type of interpersonal dynamics that, that can arise when you only see a guy once a week yeah. or twice a week. Right. You know, the night before the game and the day of the game, and he doesn't really like me and I don't really like him. And sometimes it's going to pop out if you don't have the right relationship. All right, let's move on. Something else from that game. This happened in overtime. Chargers safety Derwin James with a tackle of Jalen Richards, which quite possibly was a face mask. Let's watch this. I still wasn't completely sure whether he got the face mask or the top of the pads. Let's take a close look. This it is where the sky judge right. could be conclusive. It it oh boy, that's gets, a tough one. There's a there's a there's they, a clip right there, and it's that uh, one. There's a face mask. It, it, that's a face yeah, mask. There's a there's a shot that I saw on Sunday night that it was it was a face mask. Yep, that's it. And again, that you know, I, 
Sky I'm, Judge. That's one that Sky that's Judge. Sky can Judge fix. could come in and go. I saw the replay, guys. He grabbed the face mask, no doubt. I'm not mad at the refs. You're gonna miss some calls like this because, like you said, a lot of times there's tackles yeah, made like, like this. Top of shoulder, pads. top of shoulder it pads. Like top of shoulder pads. And, yeah, you grab the shoulders and the head does turn a lot of the times because the forehead might hit the arm or whatever. So yeah, in real time, I wasn't sure that this was a face mask either. But then when I saw the way everybody reacted. And it wasn't this clip, but that that second one, the one we'll see here in a second, that front version here, where you could see that the thumb was in the face mask, and the sky judge certainly could have cleaned it up. Yep. Uh, and and you know what? For all we know, because there was one earlier this year where it wasn't a face mask. It was called a face mask, but it was an upper shoulder pad yeah. tackle. For all we know, they got a memo saying, hey, be careful on these potential face mask penalties because sometimes it is the top of the shoulder pads. And let's make sure that we actually see the hand on the face mask before we throw the penalty. And if that was the guidance that was given post, and I can't remember what game it was, but I I remember clearly a guy ran through the middle and it looked like a face mask, but it wasn't. It was a key 15 yards. Uh, So sometimes that pendulum goes back and forth. But if you have Sky Judge, that's one Narrow specific use of having someone who sees what we see at home who can bridge the gap and say there either was or there wasn't a foul. So all the more reason for hopefully Scott Judge as soon as 2022. Carson Wentz, the Colts quarterback, who may or may not be the Colts quarterback in 2022, capping the season with the loss in Jacksonville. Here's a Carson Wentz fumble that was upheld after the review process there's Carson Wentz doing his thing balls out doing his thing down 13. interesting I still, one. I look at that score and I can't believe it but let's let's see here at, mm, it, 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 yeah. see it's a weird one because it's a shovel to, pass. he's starting to right. he's starting to throw it's not the typical throwing right. motion but the arm is moving forward even though it's not the classic pull your arm back and throw he's doing that uh, it was ruled a fumble. Yeah. It was upheld. Yeah. NFL officiating, which rarely has anything to say, had a tweet explaining the Carson Wentz fumble. Uh, the ruling on the field was a fumble. Video review did not show clear and obvious evidence to overturn the ruling. Therefore, but why did they even bother? Of course. Of course. I mean, tell us why. Well, there was no clear and obvious evidence to overturn it, but there's the arm. There's the arm moving forward. It's not the classic yeah, passing Yeah, Gene Steratore didn't agree with that. But the arm is the moving forward. Right. There it is. Yeah. The arm is moving forward. And, you know, it's funny. When it's just Carson Wentz, you just assume uh, Yeah, that he probably anyway. messed he just, it up. He gets right. What, he gets what he deserves, right. but he didn't deserve that. And I don't know that would have made a difference in the game. But got to get these calls right. And here's another one where, it's, I don't know, I say Sky Judge would have made a difference. That was but a the tough replay one. review process right. fails, it, it's, it's a close one. That's a close it's one. A close I don't one. know if Sky Judge can help this or anything. This one is really well, like, yeah, it's, it's because you could also, I understand clear and obvious. And with this one, they could also be, he could just be moving in the pocket and moving his arm too. It's not necessarily, but you know, when you see it, I know, he's, I know he definitely is trying to do it. And I tend to agree with what Gene Steratore was saying live during the telecast that, yeah, there was enough there to see a little bit of the arm going forward to say that was an incomplete pass. But again, it wasn't just necessarily slam dunk clear and obvious right so i, I because we never that. see that no we never see no. that right. we, we see the the ball come out you know it's the empty hand right the arms going for you know the, the traditional posture so i guess if we look at it analytically the ruling on the field was not a uh, was fumble was fumble the replay review looks at it and says it's not clear and obvious that it wasn't a fumble because we never we, we th- we've never seen 
I mean, when have we ever seen that before? Yeah, I know. Where the guy's right. doing that and the right. ball comes out. So, I, I know, stuff happens sometimes. Not that it would have made a difference for the Colts on No, that was on a Sunday against open. the Jaguars. Here's one that was not uh, vague or mm. ambiguous. Yeah. The only thing that's confusing about it is why in the world did Steve Zimmer, the field judge, number 22, not throw a flag when Sean McVay decided not only to exit the permissible confines of the bench area. Number one, the coach isn't allowed to be down that far on the sideline, let alone beyond the field. And there he is. Sean McVay's in the end zone. Steve Zimmer's like, hey, come on. Hey, 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 oh, hey, hey, get back. Hey, you, get back to it. No, you, you got to throw a flag there. If we are going to penalize players for posturing and, and, and however else they're going to define taunting, you get a guy who is clearly beyond where he's allowed to be. And and I looked at the rule yesterday. You can only go down to the goal line area in the sideline on the other side of the white stripe if you're trying to call a timeout or throw a challenge right, flag. Right. When it's in a goal line setting, yeah. you can't run down there to celebrate with your team. You can't go on the field to celebrate with your team. And, you know, uh, per a source with knowledge of the way that the rules are applied, could have been flagged and still could be fined. Yeah. Now, I don't know that that fine is going to become public, but if you're going to fine Cassius Marsh for his posturing foul, that ridiculous Monday night posturing, he postured at the sideline. How, how do you not find Sean McVay for abandoning the limits of where he's allowed to go on the sideline and actually run into the end zone to celebrate with his players? I mean, I understand he's exuberant and it's kind of cool and he's young and it's hip. Okay, fine. Every coach do that now, and let's see how long that lasts. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. You know, he, he gets away with it because he's energetic and charismatic and – you know, the referee, first off, has never seen a coach do that. So he's probably not even like – he's never even registered in his brain of like, Am I wait, drunk? I know. Right. He's, it, that's, that's, it's probably really one of those thoughts where you go, I've never even thought about having to throw a flag for anything like that before. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they've been coached up a little bit on that, you know, th this week as far as, you know, procedure. I bet there's a memo. I, I bet a memo so. goes a memo out to all too. teams this week. No doubt. And because the NFL, I don't think they're going to like the way that looks either, certainly. The one thing I'll say that, that I think is the real issue, McVay is going to piss off other coaches with that right there. That's going to piss them off. Oh. That's like bulletin well, board that, material. Oh, this guy, look right. at this guy walking cheerleader down in the end zone. I, I, like that. That's the kind of thing that will make other coaches bitter about, you know, playing him or playing against them. Well, well, they ended up blowing that that 17-point lead that Tyler Higby's second touchdown catch of the day gave the Rams. So I guess McVay got his punishment that same afternoon. Yeah. But, hey, you know, if it's going to piss off other coaches, that's the whole idea that they're micromanaging the behavior of the players when, you know, they, they, they get in each other's faces post-play or they posture to the sideline. So just from a basic double standard standpoint, if you're going to try your damnedest to restrict and control the behavior of players when they are the ones out there in a situation that is far more conducive to having their blood run hot because they're, ge they're getting hit, they're, they're physically engaged in the action, and you want them to control themselves in those emotional moments, but you're not going to take steps to control coach who isn't on the field shouldn't be on the field who isn't part of the team per se and he runs all the way down the sideline and enters the end zone and you're not going to penalize him and you're not going to fine him 
that that's as bad of a double standard as the NFL could create. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you there. You're right. It it is. It, it's from, from everything you're talking about or laying out there. It is. It's a double standard. And it, it's it not necessarily that I don't like it. Like there's a part of me that's like, all right, so what? He's down there, you know, celebrating with his coaches. You're right. But it's not normal coach behavior. You know, it's not. And and, and it is a little bit, you know, uh, what, what uh, hypocritical to a degree. It is, oh. it, you know, but but it's not showing up at least the other team, other than like they're on the other sideline going, what the hell? Why is their coach down there celebrating with the, with the players in the end zone? That's not cool. That's that's where you know it's kind of an unintended consequence there. But there needs to be a bright line. You can't you can't let you can't. I mean, th- th- this is the easiest way to look at it. If that is permissible, then every coach should do it. Run down the sideline and run into the end zone and join in the celebration. Yeah. Hey, you're gonna do. Hey, hey. Oh, yeah, you know, we're gonna do. Uh, you know, we're all gonna sit down and act like we're rowing a boat. Have the uh, have the the coach stand there, being the guy who's yelling <laughs> at the. You know, put him into the. Right. I mean, if it's allowed, well, I know we I could know. have a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. We could have a hell of a lot of fun with the celebrations that the coach is allowed to join in. But that's that's why I think there needs to be a bright line here. Um, uh, especially because no one else does this and, and he, he should have been flagged and we'll see if he gets fined for it. And, and we'll see if we find out that he got fined for it. That's the other side of it as well. One more Brandon Bolden of the Patriots called for unnecessary roughness on a fake punt. Oh my God. The Miami Dolphins. Oh my God. Have you, have you heard, have you heard that the Dolphins swept the Patriots this year and I still have fired heard. their head coach? I have heard. Back to back. Winning seasons for the first time in 19 years, and they still fired their coach. Where's the unnecessary roughness? He missed him. It was attempted unnecessary roughness. Exactly. Right. That's what we're calling now. Attempted. We're calling attempted. Attempted unnecessary roughness. Attempted pass interference. I mean, that's what we're going by now in the NFL. Again, common sense here. Somebody have some common sense. The guy here that's right next to it doesn't throw the flag, first off. You know, that's what bothers me more than anything. The guy that is five feet away doesn't throw the flag it's another referee that throws the flag I, I, and I can't, I can't remember which one but totally egregious here and a big part of the football game again the Patriots are going to get the ball down 14 nothing on Dolphins 43 yard line going into score one completion you got a field goal instead it ends up being points for the Dolphins and the Patriots go down farther but that's a horrible call I don't understand that at all I don't Chris Boswell, the Steelers, probably wondering where was that extra level of protection for me when when I tried to throw a pass. Remember that game right. earlier this year when he got blown yeah. up? Uh, because, hey, you're not a real quarterback. I'm surprised that that same standard didn't apply here. Hey, this guy's not a real quarterback. We're not going to protect him the way that we would a quarterback. But they, they protected him more than you see a quarterback protected because it, there was a grazing with the forearm. That's it. At most, there was a grazing. Well, well, so, well, but uh, this is the last thing, too, Mike. It, it, grazing with the forearm. And again, what, what I want to do, and if we can play the play one more time, guys, is just go, what do they want the defender to do here? This is where it's not fair. And they're actually, you know, the, the unintended consequence here is you're going to end up hurting the defender somehow. But he's got to brace himself for contact. The guy is running at him at full speed and doesn't decide to slide until he's two yards away from him. So he's got to lower his body and be ready to take on the hit or the collision. That's where I don't understand. Again, that's where common sense is being lost here. You know, that that's, should not be on the defender. He's sliding two ways, two yards away from him. It's just again, I don't know what they want, what they want defensive players to do here. And I know it's Brandon Bolden and special teams. 
but it's just unfair that way to for, for a lot of these guys to, to think they can make tackles or play a physical brand of football and not be there to, to, to protect themselves and get in a hitting position. Especially because when you consider the circumstances, they're running a fake punt on fourth and short. The sticks are right there. Yeah. Why would anyone think the guy's going to slide and not make the first down? Uh-huh. Right. That That's a situation where you're going to put your head down and try to get the first down, even if you're taking a physical risk. That was a quick slide. Hey, and it was brilliant. Brilliant. Maybe the guy who got fired coached his guy to do that. Oh, maybe 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 that was part of the plan. We're gonna we're gonna slide here and draw 15 yards if it's close. He was gonna uh, cut back. He wanted to cut, and then he realized, wait, I'm not gonna be able to cut and avoid this guy. So let me just go down to sliding position. Yeah. I mean, that's where it's just. And he wasn't gonna get the first no, down. No, it was he ridiculous. He wasn't gonna get the first down. Ridiculous, horrible call. I mean, there's there's two there's we saw two calls again today in 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 in, in this department where we go. It really it, it, it dictated the game a little bit. Whether it was the Raiders getting a free touchdown off of no common sense from referees or this becoming a three-score game because of no common sense from the referees. And that that's where I get bothered by it. And that's why I'm glad we do this segment every week because this is where I think, again, we just got to keep shining lights on these type of plays where we just go, not acceptable. Not acceptable this day and age in the NFL with all the camera angles and everything we got and all the money involved that we're missing calls like that. It's not. There's too many times this year. There's too, it's more than ever. It's the worst year of officiating we've ever seen, and they've affected the games more than I ever can remember. There is an attitude from some in the league to just deal with it because for every bad call, there's a good call. In other words, if one team gets screwed like the Patriots, the Dolphins get the benefit. And it all works out in the end. And some are going to go against us and some are going to go for us. And why are we all twisted up about it? Well, here's why we're all twisted up about it. Because gambling has now infiltrated the sport. You have welcomed it in. You've let you've let the fox into the hen house. And it does require and mandate and necessitate a greater sensitivity right. To the quality of officiating, exactly. especially if they're eventually going to unleash betting on a play-by-play basis during games. You have to get these calls right. It's this. It's a cop-out to say, well, you know, sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't. It's a cop-out. what you have to deal with. It's It can be better. You're taking away, you're taking away coaching, too. To me, that's what you're doing, too. You're, you're, you're going, well, that, no, because I can promise you Bill Belichick with a lot of these things has coached his team the right way. They know what to do. You know, again, it's or you, you can't have that. You know, you're gonna have certain coaches who really teach like, hey, we don't we don't commit pass interference. We don't even do it in practice. We don't let it go. You know, so you can't just say, oh well, we're just gonna call it the same way, and then have some other team who never cares about it and they're just egregious with it all the time, and we're just gonna see how it goes during the football game. You know, but there's just too many examples again where the coach is teaching their players to do the right things here. And they're disciplined in doing it, and you're screwing them over anyways. And that, to me, is where you're taking away, again, competitive advantage. And that's where I get bothered by it. It's, it's, you're right. It's too much to just – we're just flying by the seat of our pants there with the other approach, and that's not fair because there are coaches that are being detailed and giving their team the competitive advantage to be better in these, these situations, and we're not, they're not getting the fruits of their labor because of that. We have managed to fill up the after further review segment during the regular season, and that what we did today came from 16 games. There are six playoff games this weekend. We'll see if there are enough questionable calls in that to fill a full segment on Wednesday. Hopefully there are, and hopefully we'll be filling it with examples of 
great calls that were made in key moments of playoff games. But speaking of the playoff picture, we're going to play a game of what doesn't belong and why playoff style when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I went back and looked at the dates and Ben Roethlisberger started his career in 2004. You were about 10 years old. So what do you remember about watching him growing up, maybe the impact he had on you as a youngster coming up playing football? No, I mean, he's made a, a huge impact on me. The way he was able to scramble around and make those throws and just battle, I mean, to, to the very end of every single play. I mean, that's the reason he has two, two Super Bowl rings and uh, he's made some big time throws that will be remembered forever. Um, and so uh, he's someone I watched growing up my entire life. Uh, getting to see him play in person a couple years back. And then again this year, it, it shows how special of a talent he is. And uh, it'll be a great opportunity for us to go up against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which are a great franchise. What does it mean to you to potentially be taking part in what could be his last career game? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think of it that way. I mean, to me, uh, it's, it, I think these guys are going to keep trying to play as long as they can. I know I would. Um, and so for me, I'm just going to go in and with the mindset of trying to win a football game. And and uh, I know he's going to battle. If you, if you watched him this last week, I mean, he made some big-time throws at the end of the game to give him the, give him the chance to win the game. Um, and so uh, it's going to be a great battle for us. And uh, I'm excited to get to get, get to go up against an all-time great um, in the playoffs. Which doesn't belong and why playoff edition. All right, let's keep it simple. Steelers, Raiders, 49ers. Teams coming off of big overtime wins to keep their seasons alive. Which doesn't belong and why? I'm going to say the 49ers because the 49ers are the team I look at of that three and go, I, I think the 49ers can go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. I mean, I'm not predicting it that way, but I think they got that type of talent. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, why? You know, I mean, they got talent across the roster. You know, we know they they can give Green Bay. They got down to Green Bay earlier this year, came back, and that was Rodgers had to make magic to win the game. So I look at, like, the 49ers as a legit Super Bowl contender. The Steelers, as you know, I don't. 
I didn't even think they should be in the playoffs. They're here. Much respect. Raiders, too. Like, I don't see anything more to them other than maybe stealing a game this weekend. But I don't think that can be like a legit run here. The Raiders uh, are the obvious ones that don't belong, in my opinion, because they don't have a coach. They've done it with an <laughs> yeah, interim coach, yeah. which makes it more impressive. But I am going to say the Steelers. Oh, my gosh. I know you like those Steelers. I know you do. There's just... <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling I, I well, you. Tell me tomorrow on the picks podcast. I'll believe you. And you tell me and you pick well. the Steelers. Okay, put your money where your pasta and meatballs are. Okay, buddy. All right. <laughs> well, you know what? I do have a big enough lead that I can afford to take a flyer here or there. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you, thank you. I, I can I can take a few flyers this weekend with six games coming up. Packers, Rams, Buccaneers, the only NFC playoff teams that are back. From a year ago, which doesn't belong and why? Well, the Rams. I mean, the, you know, the Rams are they have a question mark. The Bucks. I mean, our question is just like, are they healthy enough? Like that, that's the only question. If they're healthy, you go. Well, damn, they're the best team in football. The Packers, the most consistent team in football. You know, well, we know what those teams are. The Rams. There's there's question marks, and there's question marks more specifically to the quarterback, where there's not with the other two football teams. You know, again, Stafford was better last week. But still, two bad interceptions. I mean, especially with the game on the line and Odell Beckham Jr. running free down the sideline, you throw a 10 yards behind the guy. So, yeah, the Rams are because, you know, right now I don't trust them like I do the Bucks, the Packers, and I don't trust Stafford either. Yeah, you know, I agree with you here. I'm trying to di differentiate them in, in a different way, but the Rams just stand out for what they ultimately did. And, and, I made the observation a few weeks ago when Matthew Stafford was struggling, I think against the Ravens, that the Rams gave up a first-round pick, no, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford. But some would say that the Rams gave up two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff for Jared Goff. Because that's just different guy, same vibe as Jared Goff at the end of the day. We had that great start to the season where he was slinging it all over the place, but I feel like as these games have gotten closer and closer to the end, and this is new for him, he's been in the league since 2009, had expectations. It's, just, yeah. it's, it's that I can't wait to watch that game on Monday night between the Rams and the Cardinals. And, you know, I was doing some preliminary thinking earlier about the games this weekend, I, you know, the home field advantage has gone away. It makes it very hard to pick winners in the playoffs because you could make a case for pretty much every road team to win this week, except the Eagles. You could make a case. And could you imagine that if five out of six road teams win this weekend? It would not be, well, four. You would say four because you're not going to give the Steelers a chance. But even then, four out of six could win this weekend. Yeah, no, it's and crazy. I could see yeah. the Rams lose to the Cardinals. I could see it happen. Yeah. I I am I'm, I'm 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 with you there. It is. Home field advantage is definitely not the same as it was. Teams of teams and, and quarterbacks have gotten used to playing on the road. The only team I do look at, you know, the the, the Bucks have been a different team at home other than that one Saints game. That's the but the, that's the one game I team I do look at to where they're a little different when they're in their home field than they are in the away field. I just realized we have three segments left, not two, so we need to take a break. We'll be back with Oh, What a Catch for Week 18 when PFT Live continues right after this. Oh, What a Catch Week 18. 
Oh, man, DB's got skills here, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, Jimmy Garoppolo, newsflash, Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception. Oh, Jalen Ramsey, staying with the ball, looking like Lynn Swan in Super Bowl X, falling to the ground. Where's Charlie Waters when you need him? Oh, Lynn Swan secures the ball. It's a 47-yard gain for the Steelers. Same game, Cooper Cup. What a back in the end zone. Now that's not Jared Goff there. That, that's why you got Matthew no. Stafford. You know, yeah. but yes, we got to see look some at the of those. catch. Look at Woo. the twisting, the catch, the twist, the feet. Baller. Great job, by and, and offensive player of the toe. year. Absolutely. Thank you for reading. Thank you for, thank you for your. Where was your ballot? Here's Traquan okay. Smith with the catch in the end zone. And watch him watch him take the forearm to the helmet as Man. he falls to the ground, holding Great on hands. to the football. Watch oh, yeah. his tail end. Let me take crush that. your neck. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Here's same game, Paulson to Debo. And look, great ball skills to get in position to make this catch, but that's gloves. I, that's fine. But look, he's great, great skills to be there. But when you can do that, that's Velcro. Hey, yeah. That would have been unheard of back in the 70s. He's Thank a good you, Glove Technology. Though. He is. All right. Here's Alan Lazard. I mean, this throw was perfect. I mean, you have no excuse. I mean, you didn't even need arms for this. He could have just, like, like right. extended his pocket, but it's still. But, the, yeah. hey, this is the old Calvin Johnson. Yeah. There was a, a play in, in the Super Bowl one year. You stay with it. Butch Johnson, I think it was. You got you to make that catch and not let it hit the ground. Stephon Diggs. Wait, like, wait. Staying in this. Wait. Unbelievable. Unbelievable catch. Wait, and can we rewind this play? Can we do that? Like, this is, this is to me, what I don't think people realize what they watch with Josh Allen sometimes. We can't. I mean, we can't. stiff arm a defensive lineman Motion is getting denied. tackled and still throws it. Motion denied. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> oh, oh, there goes the snap. Woo. Marvin Jones. Oh, look at that. Toe tap back at the end zone. Awesome play. Play of the year for Trevor Lawrence, probably. Right Very there. impressive yeah. that the Jaguars beat the Colts in what was essentially a playoff game for Indianapolis. Well done, Trevor Lawrence. Well done, Marvin Jones. Well done, crew, putting that together. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. All right, here we are. The seven head coaching vacancies. Yes, seven, nearly 25% of the league. And who knows, maybe we'll get to eight before the offseason really gets rolling. So we're going to draft the most enticing head coaching vacancies as of right now. Chris Sims, you're up first. I'm going to go with the Broncos as the number one. I I am. The Broncos, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, there's a lot of pieces there. You know, the quarterback certainly is, is not there. We know that. That has to be figured out. But when you look at the rest of the roster, you go, man, there's not a lot of work that needs to be done here to get this team to be competitive and a real like player in the AFC. So I, I look at them as being the number one. The challenge with this entire exercise is none of them are enticing. They're open for a reason. Right. It's not because somebody retired, right? They, they, they got fired. Uh, other than the, the Raiders... Um, which open for very different reasons. These are teams that are bad right now, and they're trying to get better. I would agree with you. Broncos would have been my first pick, even with the looming sale of the team. Yep. I think there's enough stability there. You're going to get a contract that's going to compensate you very well to take on that risk of new ownership. Vikings will be my pick. just because. And Now, I wish the Wolves lived in, in Minneapolis and showed up for work every day. We, we, we apply that to Stephen Ross. We have to apply that to them as well. They're in New Jersey. It'd be better if they were there every day and had that presence in Minnesota, but Great stadium, great practice facility. They're willing to spend. You just got to spend right. Don't spend on Kirk Cousins and you'll, you know, remain gainfully employed. But uh, they they seem to be willing uh, to, to do what's needed 
to support you and have a and have a, a successful team. Yeah, no, I, I hear you there. There's definitely some good. You got the Kirk Cousins thing looming, like you said, and some other issues, maybe salary cap wise, but uh, certainly good, no doubt. Yeah, this is what I'm I'm torn between I'm torn between the Dolphins and the Bears. I feel like with my next pick, I'm gonna go with the Bears here. I am just with the way Justin Fields looked. I'm gonna pick him. Of course, you got him. That's a that's a positive to go. Wait, you got a quarterback that's young. They got some real talent. There's no doubt about it. And they got again a defense that's good and some other pieces on offense that I like. I make the Bears number two. See, this is where it gets very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say. Even though I think they should give the job to Rich Basaccia and it would be difficult to follow Rich Basaccia, when you look at what they have, where they are, yeah. Um and and Mark Davis seems to be a guy who is willing to support his people properly. I, I'm gonna say the Raiders. I like the vibe right now that the Raiders have. I just think that that job really shouldn't be vacant because it should go to Rich Basaccia, although you can't just hand it to him, you have to go through the full search. I wouldn't want that job because I think the Passaccia should should get it. But if Passaccia didn't want it, it would be enticing yeah, to me. Again. We'll do round three. Yeah, go ahead. Real no, you're right. A lot of things there though to like about what that that team and roster has. No doubt, I'm with you there. All right, quick break. Round three. When PFT Live continues right after this. All right, three vacancies left, two picks left. Round three, Chris, you're up. Well, this is, you know, yeah, we're getting into, you know, dysfunctional category here where I'm going to take the Dolphins as my third pick. You know, yeah, you got to deal with Steven Ross and, and Chris Greer, which, you know, again, I don't like either one of them right now. Again, for the optics of the way that all went down with Brian Flores, absolutely not. So you have to deal with that. But, damn, the team, you know, there's a lot there to like. It's a lot of young, really good football players on the team with a bright future. You know, the quarterback thing's still questionable. There's no doubt about that. But I still look at the team and the way it's set up with, of course, you know, some top-level young defenders on the front sevens, two stars at corner, a new star at safety, some guys on offense. Yeah, I'll go the Dolphins as my third pick. I'm not touching that job without a 24-hour-a-day bat phone to Stephen Ross that guarantees me access to him whenever I want it unless he moves to South Florida and takes uh, up residence there, and I know he's going to be in the building every day. I'm not stepping into that stew of dysfunction if I have any other alternative. I'll go Jaguars. Sorry, Giants. The cheese stands alone in New York. I'll go Jaguars because of Trevor Lawrence, and, and, and the bar is low, and the expectations are low. i got to figure out a way to work with Trent Baalke. Or maybe not. Maybe if I have real leverage, I can squeeze him out now. Or maybe after a year or two, he's gone. But but I think the Jaguars have the most upside. They're the lowest. So, uh, sorry, Giants. Damn. You get left the out. Giants don't even get picked. But I, I understand that. With the current state of the roster, Daniel Jones, all that, I, I don't think it's a shocking development here. That's it for today. We'll see you at 5 Eastern for PFTPM. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.